following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. Hey, if you have your Bible today, if you can open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We were teaching through this last week and we're going to continue. We were talking about the gifts last week and the second half of this chapter takes a little bit of a different perspective. It's really talking about how the gifts work together and when the gifts don't work together. And I was thinking a a perfect example of that, if any of you guys follow basketball, does anybody remember the tragic news in 2004 of the men's Olympic basketball team? Does anybody remember that? Put it this way. In America, we have some of the best basketball players on planet Earth. That's unquestionable. And we sent the best players from the entire country over to represent America over in Athens, Greece. And everyone was convinced America is going to come back with the gold because they always do. However, this year they didn't get the gold. They didn't even get the silver. And they barely got the bronze. And you ask yourself, how can you send all of this talent, which statistically and pound for pound, we absolutely had the best talent in the Olympics, but how come we didn't win the gold? The reason we didn't win the gold is there wasn't teamwork. There wasn't continuity. There wasn't synergy. A lot of talent, but the talent wasn't shared. There was a lot of individuals with talent who played like individuals with talent, and that doesn't win the gold. But when you have talent and the talent is shared, it's amazing what can happen. And the teams with less talent who did share the talent they did have did win the gold and the silver, but not the American team with all the talent. So all that to say is it's imperative that we work together with the gifts and the talents God's given us. That is the exact reason that Paul wrote this letter, uh, this section of the letter in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He's writing to this church of Corinth. Corinth has a ton of gifts, spiritual gifts, and it's amazing, maybe more than any of the other churches, because he's talking about all these different gifts they have, but he's saying, guys, first of all, you're not using them in the right order, and second of all, you guys aren't sharing. Everyone is being like that Olympic team back in 2004. What about look at my gift and look at my gift, instead of sharing the gifts and the gifts working together. And Paul is writing to him saying, guys, if you could come to terms with this, it would be explosive what God could do out in Corinth if you would just come to terms with this. And by the way, it seems like they did because when he wrote 2 Corinthians, he didn't have this issue anymore. So it seems like they got it and they worked through this. And the way he presents this to them, he explains how important this is to say, you're not just a bunch of individuals with your gifts. Let me explain who you are as a family of believers. And he uses the term the body of Christ. Now, we've heard the term body of Christ, the physical body of Christ, but the body of Christ is a term for the church of Jesus Christ, not just the local church, but the body of Christ in LA, the body of Christ in America, the body of Christ in the whole world. Anyone who said yes to Jesus and it was turned and followed him are part of this integral family, the body of Christ. We know that the church is not a building, the church is the people. And so today I want to challenge you to think differently about what you know about the body of Christ. You may say, well, I already know it's the church family and I already get it. I want to encourage you to be teachable today because there are some aspects to this that I think Paul's saying, if you really get this down, if you really look at the family of believers, the body of Christ, the way God does, if you really do, if you really digest this, 
It changes everything on how we interact with one another and the mission and the glory that God gets and the amount of fruit. All kinds of directions are changed. All kinds of things are changed if we really get this down. So uh, let's take a look at this, and we're going to read this in sections. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And by the way, if you have a bulletin, uh, if you don't have a Bible, the scripture is in the bulletin, and there's a place to take some notes. Uh, He starts out like this. He says in verse 12, uh, the body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. We were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Uh, He's starting out saying, the body's a unit with these many parts. In other words, there's so many distinct parts, but... If we learn anything from the human body, he's saying, learn this. Every part in the body is designed for the benefit of the body. There aren't parts in the body that saying, hey, I'm not, I'm not dealing with this anymore. I'm out of here. Could you imagine if, what that would be like? What if your heart said, you know what? I'm tired of pumping for all you other parts. I'm, I'm going on vacation. I'm checking out. I'm just going to shut down for a while. The heart doesn't do that. Why? Because it knows all the parts are working together. Same with the eyes. They don't just wake up one day and say, you know what, I'm tired of opening my eyes in the morning for you. I'm just going to close them. Or the ears shutting down. Or the feet walking. Or the digestive system, the stomach working. All these parts work together for the whole. And Paul is saying to the church, if you would understand how God designed you, this is going to be revolutionary. And this is where he begins, that all the parts were designed to benefit the body. It's not only expected that the parts work together, it's really required that the parts work together. If the parts don't work together, there's usually a train wreck, physically speaking, and that's usually when there has to be some sort of doctor intervention. Uh, This is so true also for the family of believers. We're living in a time now, I honestly believe, that there is a greater sense of independence from the family of believers than I've ever seen or heard of before. In the history of the church, there's always been the community of believers. Read the book of Acts. It's explosive. When you look at the family of believers, the love and how they shared things and the dimension of of what God did among his people corporately, and now so many people, and you probably know some people that think this way, that say, you know what, I got my own relationship with God. I don't really need, I don't really need to go to church and hang out with believers. I got, does anybody know folks like that? Do you hear the same things I hear? I hear it all the time. And it's not biblical, and it's not even historical. You can have your own relationship with God, but I'm here to tell you, the family of believers, the body of Christ, is an imperative aspect of your relationship with God, and we're going to see more in a minute here, but this is the very reason that Paul is writing this. Um, He says, we're all baptized by one spirit into one body, so everyone who said yes to Jesus and been baptized... We're in the same body, the same family, whether we like it or not. He says Jews or Greeks or slave or free, meaning uh, some folks were in debtor's prison because they racked up so much debt that you couldn't file bankruptcy. You're in prison. And it didn't matter if they were Jews or Greeks. It didn't matter where they were. If they said yes to Jesus, he said they're all in the same body. So there's not multiple bodies of Christ. There's one body of Christ. And we are all living members of that And so the first thing to get down, and if you're taking notes on this, there's four key things we're going to talk about today about the body of Christ, about this family of believers. And the first one is the church is an organism, 
not an organization. The church is an organism. We are a living part of God's family. We are spiritual beings. Uh, It's been said that we're not just earthly beings having a spiritual experience down here. We are spiritual beings having an earthly experience down here, a temporary one. We are an organism, spiritual people that God has put his spirit in and breathed new life in. And corporately together, the church should be seen spiritually as an organism, not just an organization or a non-profit corporation or a group of people with some doctrine or uh, things like that. It's way more than that. We are members of the living body of Christ. So that is the first thing we need to understand, and that's what he's laying the foundation for here. We are all living members of the body of Christ. And then he moves on in verse 14, and he says, Now the body is not made up of one part, but many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not be for that reason to cease being part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not be for that reason, it would not, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So he starts here about this body made up of the many parts, and he starts to describe the parts. And We see here from his description, all of these parts are uniquely different. They're not the same. And in fact, God never designed to make a cookie-cutter Christian. I always thought before I was a Christian that if I become a Christian, that God's going to like stamp you out of some kind of mold. Did anybody else think that or was I the only weird one? Okay, you're thinking that God's going to do some like cookie-cutter thing and big suit and 20-pound Bible, and I'm like, I don't want to do that. You know what? God doesn't stamp people out like that. We're all wonderfully and fearfully made. There's an absolute uniqueness to it. We're seeing that here from the scripture. There's many different variations and aspects to this body of Christ that God designed. He knew what he was doing when he did that. We are all part of that. So we're all unique and we're all different parts. And uh, just as each part of the body has an incredibly important function, so do you and so do I. That's where he's starting to go with this. It's not just that people were selfish with their gifts and doing it solo. They weren't recognizing the diversity of gifts that were among them and using those to bless the family of believers, to bless the church. Each part has got a a function and an important one. And he goes on to say, you know, if it was just an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if it were just hearing, where would the sense of seeing be? Um, You know, one way besides a gifts test to find out how uniquely God made you, uh, one good question is to ask yourself, if you could change anything in the church of Jesus Christ, not just locally, maybe locally as well in this local body, but in the world, if there's one deficit that you see or that you sense or you think needs to be changed, what would it be? If there's one thing that you can change or see be done better, or the church be more effective, or something the church is overlooking, or things that are not happening that you think would be pleasing to God if they did, what would that be? Think about that. Why do I say that? 
Because that has a lot to do with what God put in you as a unique part of your design. You see, some folks are the eye and some are the ear. And he explains this right here. Which part are you? Which part do you think you are? I mean, because if you sense what should be changed or what could be done better or differently, that is pretty clear and and it begins to define what part are you? Because there's many parts of the body. We were wonderfully and fearfully made. God gives gifts to his people. What are they? And come into terms with them. But which part are you? Think about that for a minute. Which part are you? I think a lot of us first need to come to terms with, well, what are our gifts in the first place? And then once we come to terms, how can our gifts all work together for God's glory? The thing about our uniqueness of gifts, and the Corinthian church had this issue, is if everybody's an I, for example, they tend to approach things from the visual realm and think that everyone else should be seeing the way they're seeing. And if everybody else is not seeing, I don't know why they're not seeing. Don't they see it? It's really clear. And other folks, it's hearing. Now, let's break this down a little bit. Um, To the eye, seeing is the most important thing. For an example, and I think this is what he's alluding to here, um, they're looking for things that are fruitful, They want to see things to the eye. Where do I see the fingerprint of God? What do I see God have his hand on? This is important. And some people in their faith, this is very important. They're looking all the time for things with the fingerprint of God, for the fruit of God. This is the most important thing to them. In fact, we sing that song. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you, God. The most important thing, God. I just want to see you. Can I see you, God? Can I see you move through people? Can I see? I just really want to see you. That's a part of the body. I want to see you. To others, hearing is the most important. The ear. What is the Spirit of God saying to the church right now? What is the Spirit of God telling me today, sitting here? Am I hearing from God? Did I hear from God during worship? Am I hearing from God during the message? Am I going to hear from God as somebody sharing among us? During prayer, am I hearing from God? I need to hear from God. Hearing is the most important thing for people that I think he's referring to the ear. In fact, the Bible says over and over again, he who has ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, let him listen. Do you hear? Like the Christmas song, do you hear what I hear? Do you see what I see? These kind of things. Hearing, seeing. Uh, The other one, to the feet. He mentions the feet. Now, to your feet... The things you do with your feet are the most important thing, walking around and being mobile and doing things. And I think for the body of Christ or the family of believers, the feet represent those who see the priority in going public for Jesus, evangelism, or missions. Why are we just staying here as a church? Why aren't we doing these things out there? Some are burdened with this. Others are like, well, I don't know. I don't really feel like that's my thing. And others are like, no, that's what we're supposed to do. And they get really fired up about going somewhere for God's glory. Why? Because that's what feet love to do. Blessed are the feet that bring the good news, right? That's what the Bible says. The feet want to do that. The feet want to be mobile. The feet want to take the things of God and go public and go out and share them with the rest of the world. The feet do these things. So missions, evangelism, blessed are the feet that carry the gospel. What about the hands? The hands might represent one that... Senses like, well, I don't really think I have a gift of like teaching or a gift of that or a gift of, but I like doing stuff. I like do. I can help. There's a lot of things I can do to just 
simply help. And the Bible calls that gift a gift of helps or a gift of service. Interesting. Wow. And to that kind of person, doing stuff is important. And when they see other people not do things, they're like, how come nobody else helps? Don't they get it? Don't they see? Well, the eye doesn't see it that way, and the ear might not hear it that way, and the feet don't see it that way. But the ones with the hands, they're like, this matters, guys. The tangible things we could do for God. The nuts and bolts, the brick and mortar, the things of the kingdom and helping people out with our hands. This matters a lot. So these are some of the dimensions. Uh, It says in this, and this is really profound, it says in the section we just read, it says two things. It says, God designed these parts and God arranged these parts. He designs and arranges. I don't know what part of your walk you're at with God and coming to terms with the design that he put in you, the giftings he put in you. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Work on that. Come and take a gifts test. Pray, ask God about your design, about your spiritual gifts. But listen, it's not just the way he designed you. This passage says he arranges you. You may know about your design, but do you know about your arrangement? Because that's what God does in the body of Christ and the family of believers. There is the design And there is the arrangement. And it says in this passage that God designs the different parts and God arranges the different parts. And that means, if we're open to it, God will move us around into places that are pleasing to him. In fact, it even says, as he sees fit. Not as I see fit or as you see fit, as he sees fit. Because we may think we belong in a certain place or in a certain role, but the living God who knows your design better than you know it yourself, knows my design better than I know it myself, he's the one who not only designs, but he arranges, and it says that he arranges them as he sees fit. Now, this is absolutely beautiful. When the living God, the creator of the universe, who's given everyone distinctly different gifts, when we let him, when we allow him, when we're open and and, and yielded to him, the way he wants to move us or whatever he wants to do in our life, if we are willing to be arranged with our giftings for God's glory, for the glory of God, according to the word of God, for the people of God, watch out, guys. This is explosive life in the kingdom of God. Paul was saying this to this church. He's going, guys, you got so many gifts. Oh, if you could just get this down, if you could just understand that the gifts are to be shared, not only recognize what your gift is, will you let God arrange you? Because if you let God arrange you with the things he's put in you, you you have no idea what the church of Corinth could be like. I think God's saying that to the church here. I think he's saying that to the church in L.A. I think he's saying that to the church in the United States. Guys, can you go back to first century Acts? Can you recognize your gifting? Can you function and operate like a family of believers, rather than, you know, come on a Sunday and maybe doing our duty. And no, that's not the body. It's an organism. We're we're part of that. It's it's really profound. And I I see why Paul is so passionate about this, because he sees the potential of the church, sees where they're at, and sees their potential. And he's floored with it. And he's like, guys, God's designing and he's arranging. Get with him on this arrangement. Uh, And by the way, your design determines your arrangement. Because he gives you gifts for a reason to be used in certain places. So that's why we said discovering your spiritual gifts has a lot to do with the will of God in your life because it has to do with the arrangement that God is placing and and moving you in. 
So step number two, if you're taking notes on this regarding uh, the body of Christ and what God is doing here in this big picture, step number two is God designed me and he wants to arrange me. He did design you and he wants to arrange you. He wants to place you or move you if you're available. If you're available, he wants to arrange you. The question is really, will I let him? Will I let him? I mean, if God wanted to arrange you or I in a different place, what if it was a little outside the box? Would we let him? Or would we say, no, I don't, I don't really want to do that? When you're willing to be used by God for the purposes of God, and, and many of you already know this because many of you already serve God in different capacities and roles, but I'm telling you, there is so much life in the quote-unquote kingdom of God It's the design of the living God that we live for his glory. And to learn, to learn about the will of God and the heart of God is beautiful. It's it's insightful, it's profound. But when you start actually walking it out, going, here goes God, I'm willing for you to arrange me. And you start walking in the stuff and watch how God uses you to bless the lives of other people, whether it's giving a sandwich to a homeless person or seeing someone in line at the store, they're going through it and you say, you know, I'm going to pray for you. You are? Yeah. Is it okay? What's your name? It's Janet. It's Billy. Can I pray for you? Whoa, that's the kingdom of God. Let God arrange you. You start getting open to this stuff. Watch out. This is the kind of church that the first century Acts church was, and I believe the church of Corinth could be, and Paul was addressing this seriously. Um, I need to say this, too, because as I was going through this passage, and I've, I've taught this passage before, and I've read this many times, but this time God brought something to my attention that I had not seen before or I hadn't heard anybody preach on before. It's clear. It's in the passage. It's right here in black and white. And it's important because it's something that God wants us to do, but we have a very real enemy who doesn't want us at all to plug into the things of God in the family of believers the way we should with our gifting. In fact, The devil who is real can't stop the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail. You believe that, I hope. The gates of hell will not prevail. They cannot prevail. Nothing will separate us from the love of God. Heights or depths, powers, principalities, things to come. Nothing above the earth, under the earth. Nothing will separate us. However, can the enemy take someone with a gift and go, you know, I can't stop the church, but if I could take out that one person, just their gift, just take them out. That's good. Now there's a whole lot of other folks that are not being blessed because that person is out. Who else can I take out? And Paul is saying, just like the church that, where would our sense of seeing be if it didn't have an eye? Where would our sense of hearing be? Where would our sense of hospitality be? Where would our sense of intercession or prayer be? Well, can't stop the church, but let me take out the intercessor. Try anyway. Fiery darts of the enemy. That's what the Bible says. Flaming arrows. And he does these things. And attack is real. And this stuff comes up. And he does want to remove people. And I am convinced that his most effective ways of removing people from the family of believers for God's glory is exactly that. Just get them away from the family. Just get them away somehow from the family of believers. And once you get him away, he can attack him. In fact, isn't that what the Bible says? He goes around like a roaring lion seeking to what? 
Devour. Devour. To steal, kill, and destroy. To devour. I mean, a shepherd, Jesus being the great shepherd, models that very well. The sheep that are under his care, they're, they're in a flock like we are, like the churches are all over the place. Families of believers meeting together for the apostles' teaching, prayer, and the breaking of bread. I mean, this is what historically the church has been. But there are some that get solo, get away from that. And the enemy goes, this is perfect. What an easy target. Um, this is so important, guys, because you and I know many people, I'm sure, that used to be in a walk with the living God, used to be part of a family of believers somewhere. And I'm not just talking Valley Metro Church, any church. They used to be plugged in in a vibrant relationship. And somewhere along the line, something happened. Something happened, and they're removed. They're removed somewhere. And because of it, they're a wide-open target. They're not using their gifts for God's glory. They're not blessing other people. And they're not even being blessed because they're not in the family of believers the way God designed this. Um, And it says right here what they say. Now, this is a snapshot in reality. Again, I've read this many times, but it never stood out to me this way. There's two things in this section that we just read right there. It says, quote, unquote, I do not belong. I do not belong. A part can eventually say, or maybe the part senses some attack from the enemy and eventually says, I do not belong. And Paul says, that doesn't cease being part of the body, yet people feel I don't belong. And they walk away. And they try to cease being part of the body because they quote unquote say, I don't belong. And what some begin to do is they feel like they don't belong and then they cease to be part of the body. Now, I don't know if you've ever in your walk or your relationship with God have been through a season like that where you've distanced yourself maybe for a while. I know I had. Uh, many years ago, I was in a vibrant fellowship. Things were going great. I had an opportunity with my family to go to England and Ireland, so I went on vacation for a couple of weeks, and I brought my Bible, and I prayed. But there was no fellowship over there. I couldn't find a church or other believers, and hey, that's not a big deal in theory. I can't tell you what happened, but when I got back, for some reason, I just didn't feel like being around fellowship. I can't tell you why. There's no good reason except for, looking back now, it was attack. It was the enemy giving you a sense of, I don't belong. And eventually you're starting to cease being part of the body. You see how subtly it begins? And then all of a sudden you have people with gifts that are not blessing others. And you have others that need, need the way God designed it, the gifts of others. And they're not getting in on those gifts. Why? Because the enemy is removing. People begin to say, quote-unquote, I do not belong, and they try to cease being part of the body. And this is where devastation begins. This is where the enemy who goes around like a roaring lion ends up devouring some. Why do I say that? Because some of your friends and my friends are some of the devoured ones. Some of your friends and my friends are some of the ones who the enemy's already taken a bite out of them. And they're not plugged into the family. And the beautiful thing about the living God we serve, I believe if they would come back to his fold. There's healing, there's restoration, there's wholeness, there's a lot of blessing. Part of the thing I want to encourage you today to do as an action point with this lesson, guys, when you realize how important this body of Christ is, and you realize how some along the way have said, quote unquote, I do not belong, and some have ceased to be part of the body, I would ask you to make a bold step. Pray for them, love them, 
but also prophesy to them. Are you willing to prophesy? Prophesy, not futuristic. Prophesy. Are you willing to speak as one speaking the very words of God? That's prophecy. Speaking. Are you willing to do that to ones who have had a chomp out of their leg because they've been removed from the family of believers and they've been flying solo for so long that they're completely removed from the life of the kingdom of God the way God designed it? And by the way, God never designed any believer to fly solo. We don't see it anywhere in the Bible. There was always a family or fellowship of believers in every circumstance we see. That's just the way it was. And that's God's design. There are some today who believe that it's okay to do it their own way, not God's design. So I would ask you on that note, for people you know who have drifted, that you would commit to an action point today of praying for them, of loving them, but also prophesying to them. Speak to them and say, the living God loves you. You were never designed to fly solo. Will you find a Bible-teaching church somewhere? There's many of them. Where there's a family of believers where the love of God is represented there. And would you plug in? Will you come back? Will you start walking in God's design? Because that is a key component to God's design. And anything outside that, uh, in reality, you can't make a biblical argument to say that God designed some people to go. In fact, Jesus even sent them out in twos. Why? Because don't go alone. You see how he did it? When Paul went, he went with Silas. He'd go with Barnabas. Jesus sent the apostles out in twos. When he sent out the 70, sent them out in twos. Why? Because there's something about the fellowship of believers when two or more are gathered in my name. There's, there's dimensions to this that go beyond today's teaching, guys, but it's a reality. And in fact, when you look at the book of Acts and you see one of the most explosive moments in the entire New Testament, the day of Pentecost, where did all that come from? Where did the power of God all of a sudden come from? Well, there's one indicator that we know for sure. They were all together, together, in one accord. Doesn't mean they were in a Honda. <laughs> they were in one accord. Cars are in the Bible. They were in one accord. Baseball's in the Bible, in the beginning. <laughs> Surfing's in the Bible. It says when Paul shipwrecked, they all grabbed their boards and paddled ashore. So, so don't let anybody tell you this stuff is, you know, it's in the Bible. <laughs> but all I have to say is, they were all together in one accord. But being together in one accord, the Spirit of God is saying, I am pleased with this. The Spirit of God is saying, I can use this mindset. When you're together in one accord, the people of God, for the will of God, according to the word of God, for the glory of God, whoa, watch what I can do with this. Whammo, the Spirit of God is poured out. The world is forever changed. God still does that today. The one accord part and being together is a key component. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. You can't make a biblical argument for it. You and I know friends and family and people we love and care about who have done exactly that, who have separated themselves from the fold, from the flock of God, and they feel like they don't belong and they are trying to cease being part. Um, the fact of the matter is a part of the body cannot amputate itself. And that's really, guys, the part that we need to come to terms with. It's a living body. The church is an organism. There are some that have said along the way, I don't feel like I belong and I want to cease being part. And what they've done is their amputation has been a self-inflicted one. When you think of the physical body, that's crazy to think of. Self-inflicted amputation. Doesn't that sound hideous? Doesn't it sound ridiculous? Yet in the spiritual realm, that is exactly what some people have done. 
Spiritual amputation. It's breaking the heart of God. It's breaking Paul's heart. And he's trying to address this. Don't you see what you could be? Don't you see the potential of the church of Jesus Christ? Really amazing. Um, Moving on, verse 21. It says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. And the hand cannot say to the feet, I do not need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. You might want to underline that. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unrepresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. You might want to underline that too. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Um, Now, the thing about these parts of the body he's talking about, and you would have to agree, we don't think about certain parts of the body until there's a problem. When's the last time any of you have given any serious thought to your pinky toe? No one thinks about it. Guys, you don't even look at your pinky toe. Ladies, you might, when you get a manicure every couple of weeks, you might go, oh, she's filing my pinky toe. Or put a little. Now, you might, and then other than that, you don't think about your pinky toe. No one thinks about their pinky toe. You drop a bowling ball on your pinky toe. <laughs> you, you are seriously thinking about the pinky toe. And in fact, uh, it, another thing on top of that, the whole body starts to compensate. One day you're walking normal, and the next day you're walking like this because your pinky toe got a bowling ball dropped on it. Your whole body starts to compensate. It's the same with the family of believers. When one is wounded, down and out, or whatever the case, there is collateral damage. When one says, I don't belong, and I want to cease becoming part, God's like, no, that's not my design, and that's not what I was arranging Why is the enemy taking apart what I was arranging? Do you see what's going on? God's trying to arrange, and the enemy's trying to take apart, and it has a collateral damage. God's still sovereign. He can do anything. He'll raise somebody else up. I'm telling you, though, he was trying to design and arrange while the enemy was taking apart, and that's the downside. But if one part suffers, all suffer with it, and if one part is honored, all rejoice with it. In fact, that's why we mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. That's why we do that. Paul did not see this in the Corinthian church. He saw it in other churches. He didn't see it in the Corinthian church, and he's reminding us of that. Some parts, it says, are very noticed and seem important like maybe the eyes or the hands. Very obvious. I mean, you need your eyes, you need your ears. That is the same with the case in the church. You may think, well, the church, yeah, I see the worship team, very obvious, very obvious that they're up here functioning their gifts, visible and audible to everyone. You can't come in and miss the worship team. They're functioning in their gifts. What about the parts that go unnoticed? What about the parts that seem less important? He's saying, can I tell you something? They're the most important. We don't think that way, do we? We don't think that way, guys. Our society doesn't operate that way, but the kingdom of God does. He's saying in the family of believers, the ones you don't see. What about people, if you have children today, that are loving your children and growing your children and the things of God? Did you realize the kingdom of God is going forward today because the unnoticed parts are functioning in their gift? That's the greatest. This is what Paul's trying to say, that we need to change our paradigm You see, we're this kind of church right now like the Israelites in the desert, how you 
take the tabernacle and you set it all up and you worship God and then you take it all down again? That's where we're at. I hope it's not 40 years, but, you know, <laughs> hope it's not 40 years. We'll leave it at that. Um, but all that to say is the parts that seem less important, they're not noticed is what the Bible says. And I would say that's the case all throughout the church. I also encourage you today on the way out to tell somebody thank you for serving. If you pick up your children, you say thank you for blessing. This is the heart of God for the people of God and God's design. So anyway, it's really important stuff. Um, If you're taking notes, step number three is this. No role is insignificant. Every role is vital. Every role is vital. There are no insignificant roles in the kingdom of God, in the family of believers. There aren't any. No role is insignificant. Every role is vital. And that means, and in fact, the Bible uses the word, come to terms with this, uh, Christian, no one is dispensable. That's what it says, dispensable. Sometimes we think, well, I don't know, you know, if someone's leaving the church or, you know, what really effect is that going to have, some might think, in the natural. Oh, don't think that in the spiritual. You can't think that way in the spiritual. No one is dispensable. Everyone is indispensable. This is an important, significant, vital role for everybody. Every member is essential to the life and the health and the growth of the church. Some for the growing, the discipleship to help others grow along, and some for the growth to go out and to share with others to introduce the kingdom of God to them that they become part of the body of Christ. But all these roles that God's given, all the gifts, the Bible says, are for the mutual edification. That means God wants to build up an army, a love revolution of people who say yes to the resurrected Messiah, who begin to follow him and live for his glory. And when everyone starts to recognize this, get in on their gift, discover it, understand it, let God arrange you. Whoa, this is the stuff that happens. It's revolutionary. Very, very important. And just to summarize that he said that's why we should do two things have equal concern for each other because we all matter and let there be no division division is a tool of the enemy anything that comes to divide the house of god the family of god the family belief is from hell there is nothing historically in the church where god says i have a good idea i choose to split things up now If there's a split, can God use it for his glory? God can do anything. He's sovereign. He never stops being sovereign. However, God doesn't divide and conquer. The enemy divides and conquers. That's what he does. And that's why Paul's saying, guys, don't let there be division. So that's another role we have. If you hear people talking about this church, any church, and they're talking about divisive things, hmm, maybe hold them accountable to that and say, you know what? I understand what you're saying, but I think that's really divisive, isn't it? It's okay to say that. That's just the truth and love. You know what? Let there be no division. Don't give things like that airplay because they tend to stay in circulation, so to speak. And Paul's saying, guys, don't let the body be divided. Very, very important. Uh, The last section is this, verse 27. He says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles Second, prophets, third, teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing and those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, but eagerly desire the greatest gifts, which we know is love. He says this, 
You are the body, and you are an integral part. And if there's one thing we have to own today and come to terms with that, you are the body, and you are an integral part. If you're here today, if you love the living God, you're an integral part. You might not feel like an integral part, but you are an integral part. And from there, what we need to do is realize that God wants to orchestrate and design some things. Will we let him? And it leads to our final step, which is step number four. My role affects everyone else's role. Your role in the body affects everyone else's. doesn't matter what part. Your role affects everyone else's. My role. Guys, when we come to terms with this, when we begin to own this, it's really explosive what God can do in the family of believers. And so we're going to close in prayer. In doing this, I want to do something a little different. I want to ask you on this note of people in your life that you know that were part of the family of believers. They were clearly a part of the family of believers. I don't know what happened. You might not know what happened. But somewhere along the line, the enemy got in. Somewhere along the line, they began to think, quote unquote, I do not belong, just like the passage says. And then somewhere along the line, they began to cease to be part of the body. Breaks the heart of God. They're missing out on so much. We're missing out on them. God misses them. You have any friends like, does anybody know anybody like that? Friends, family? I want to ask you to do something. I want you to stand with me in prayer. If you want to pray and intercede for somebody, we're going to stand right now. Uh, Ezekiel was like the watchman on the wall. Who's going to stand in the gap for people? I don't know who's praying for those folks right now, but today we're going to pray for those folks. If you have someone who has drifted, who has felt like they didn't belong, whether it was sin that got into their life and began to consume them or their feelings were hurt because they were overlooked or disrespected or whatever, or a theological thing came up and they flipped out or something. I don't know what it is, but if you know anybody that you love, that you care for, that's a friend or family member, let's stand in the gap for them right now because that's not the heart of God. They're a living part of this family, this church of Jesus Christ, and the enemy has them where he wants them, and God does not have them where he wants them. Let's pray. Mighty God, we love you and we praise you for this passage. We praise you for your word. It is so rich and it is so revealing, God. And Lord, I want to thank you for everyone in this room for the gifts that you have given all of us, Lord. You are a giver of gifts and every good and perfect gift comes from you, God. Thank you for that, Lord. And Lord God, as you give us these gifts, I pray you would arrange us. Arrange us in any way you see fit. Not just here in Metro Church, Lord, but across this city and across this country and across this world. Arrange your people with your gifts in a way that's pleasing to you, God. Help us to work together as a team in the sharing of gifts. Help us to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Let there be no division in your body. But right now, Lord God, we come before you with a burden. We come before you, Lord, praying for and fighting for and standing in the gap for some of these folks and loved ones and friends and family who you know by name, who somehow along the way, we don't know what happened, but you do, God. They at one point said, I don't belong. And at one point, they began to drift away. And then clearly at some point, they feel like they are no longer part of the body. And us being part of the body, look at them and go, wow, they are not connected in any way. They've been amputated. Look what the enemy has done. 
He's got them cut off. Lord God, we pray for those people right now. There's so many others, Lord God, that were walking with you and following you, Lord, and living for your glory, and they've drifted, Lord. Pray, Lord God, for the ones that were walking passionately, that aren't plugged in anywhere. They're not, they're disconnected, Lord, completely from the, from the life of the church, Lord God. You know which ones, God. You know these people by name, and we ask you in Jesus' name, Lord God, that you would call them back, that you would make the call of God so real in their life that they couldn't deny it, saying the living God will take me back. It doesn't matter how long I've been prodigal, that if I turn, Lord, I hear your voice and run to you, you will come out to me running. You are the loving Father who runs out to meet their children, and that you will slaughter the fattened calf and put a ring on their finger and have a celebration, Lord God. I pray for all of those who have drifted, who are prodigal, who are disenfranchised, Lord God, who are, Lord, along the way somewhere. Call them back by name. And I pray you'd show us our part to not only pray for them like we are today, but Lord God, show us how to love them and also show us how to prophesy. Show us how to speak the truth in their life. They do know better. They do know truth. They've already tasted and they've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, but they've forgotten, Lord. Help us to call them back, to encourage them back, to love them back into your fold for your glory. And Lord God, I pray that the family of believers would be what it could be. We'd be a body of Christ that the world would see and go, wow, that is, that's the family of believers right there, isn't it? I pray they would see in us what they saw in first century Acts Church, Lord God. We thank you for that, Lord God. We love you and praise you, Lord God. And we say these things in Jesus' name. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages, or to support future podcasts, please visit valleymetrochurch.com.